Hey guys, one of the best ways you can support this podcast is by checking out our sponsors. So scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes and check them out. If you do want or need any of their products or services, use the link under one of the sponsor's pictures or just click on the picture and you'll get an exclusive deal. Or you can just mention the Dental Marketer Podcast and they'll provide you with the exclusive deal as well. So pause this episode right now or once you finish the episode and scroll all the way down in the show notes and check out the deals our sponsors have for you. All right, let's get into this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias, and in this episode, I am speaking with Dr. Joanne Block-Reef. You know, I do a lot with social media, and a lot with building my brand. You know, people always stop me. They may not be patients. I see you on Instagram, and I see you. I love your Facebook. I love your Instagram. They might not be a patient. They might not be looking for a dentist. But as soon as someone they meet or know needs a dentist, I'll be top of mind. Because of, you know, my presence. It's a work in progress. It's a long race, but I think it really works. Joanne is such a wonderful person. Many of you may have interacted with her on social media. And if you haven't, feel free to do so by joining the free Facebook group, The Dental Marketer Society. It's going to be in the show notes below the link and you can pick her brain on there. But she is a wealth of knowledge that loves to share. She's written for dental economics. She spoke at numerous events. And in this episode, she's sharing with us her 40 plus years of experience. Now, she was on the podcast a while back in episode 153, pre-COVID, and now she's back. And talking about what has happened since then. And I'm going to put that link to that episode in the show notes below. So if you guys want to listen to that episode and hear this, you can see growth. You can hear growth right from her. And she now has two associates and they're full time. She currently has over 10 employees and she talks about how she is managing it all. And we talk about her past for a bit, how she bought a small practice 18 years ago and the challenges that came with growing it. And we also discuss her process on hiring and finding the right associates. This is interesting. She lets us know how it has been challenging. And one thing I do appreciate that is different that she does, at least to me, is most of the times we or the practice owner hires an associate so they can do the work that they don't want to do, right? But she asks, Joanne asks the associate, hey, what do you like doing? And she lets them do that and hyper-focus on getting better with that, with that procedure, right? And so she dives deeper into that topic. We also discuss what she's currently doing for marketing and advertising and which agency she works with and why. We also talk about how she has been dropping insurances slowly but surely. And she shares with us the script on what to say when someone calls and asks, Hey, do you take my insurance? And then we also talk about how much is her overhead and how she keeps it so low with over 10 employees. She goes into detail on this, so take notes on that. And then she also lets us know what she is doing to keep her schedule full of patients and so much more. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Joanne Block-Reef. Joanne, how's it going? Right. It's, you know, later in the evening, but I'm ready to do this. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Last time we spoke or we did an episode, it was episode 153, Crossroad Dental Arts. And we talked about marketing a little bit, but since then, what's happened? How have you grown? What's coming along? Well, I don't remember what year that was. So I'm not 100%. I'm, it's got to be. It was definitely before COVID. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh, yes, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. Well, yes, a lot's happened because I've taken on two associates now. I probably had maybe a part-time or full-time. And now I have two full-time associates, which has allowed me to be able to cut back clinically, enjoy life a little bit more, but do a lot of more managing the practice, but now doing a little bit more speaking, which I hadn't done in a bit. And spending time with my grandchild, because I have a granddaughter now. I forgot to mention that. I'm going to, it's fresh as 18 months old today. Oh, and I, yeah, I get to babysit once a week. get to see her whenever I want. And they don't live too far. So that's, Really great. Raising your children is one thing, but the grandchildren is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
since it's been so long, did you want me to give a little bit of background? Yeah, give a little bit of background. And then after that, I kind of want to dive into the associates that you hired on full time. But tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How'd you get to right sure, now? Sure. Yeah, well, I probably have a very different story than a lot of people because my I'm a third generation dentist. So my great uncle was a dentist and my father worked with him for a short period till he moved about an hour away and, and opened an office uh, in Annapolis, Maryland. Then my, so my father was a dentist, retired now. And I worked with my father for 18 years, 18 years as an associate before I opened my own, or bought a practice, I should say, closer to where I live because I was commuting a distance. But when I started working with my father, I actually started when I was 13 years old, obviously not as a dentist, but I did a lot of things in the office for him. Back then there was no digital x-rays. There weren't even, there wasn't even an automatic processor. We were doing the hand dipping of the (laughs) x-ray. So the assistants would take the full mass series for the whole week. And I would come in there, whatever it was, Wednesday afternoons, hand dip the x-rays, mount them. So at a very young age, I knew how to mount x-rays. I knew how to look at teeth. And then I would go into the office, my father's private office, and they'd have index cards from January through December. And I'd take out the month that was approaching. And I would call all the patients because those index cards were actually their recall cards. Mm-hmm. And I would call the patients and get them scheduled that hadn't scheduled their appointments. We didn't do a lot of pre-booking then. I wasn't quite a thing. So that's how I kind of started out, out in dentistry. And then when it was time to go to college, I said, well, my father said, you can do anything you want. I'll pay for college. However, you're not going to be a school teacher because they're a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll be a dental hygienist. Did they even really know what a hygienist did? Because I was busy and tipping the x-rays. But I went to hygiene school and I got a bachelor's. I went to University of Rhode Island. I got a four-year degree. That's what I wanted to do. And then when I was in my junior year, I'm like starting in the clinic. I said to my dad, I think I want to go to dental school. He says, I told you. I said, well, I, I, I just decided or whatever. So anyway, I had to go to evening classes and I took two summers and went right to dental school. So and there was no year gap, gap year or anything like that. And I went to University of Maryland, where I'm from, graduated, you know, in 86. And so now I'm 62 years old and I did the math that I've been in dentistry for 49 years because I started when I was 13. So that's probably different than anybody who is probably listening to this podcast. So I bought my own practice, small practice, 18 years ago, worked for Dan for 18 years. And it was a small practice and I shared space with someone, which did not work out, of course, never does. And uh, built that practice by marketing, learned to market. I didn't even know what the word marketing meant back then. <laughs> and then um, grew the practice. And then five years into the six-year lease with the woman that I was sharing space with, built an office across the street, then kept growing that, um, then expanded it, and then started taking on associates. So you know, that's been challenging. The associate thing has been very challenging because either our philosophies didn't jive or they wanted their own practice or whatever it was. Um, so, but now I have two associates, one's four days a week, one's five days a week. Um, still young, they're young, um, but I'm feeding them like everything. Mm. Like every new patient that we can, unless they specifically want to see me. And we're really trying to gear the patients to see them. Not necessarily as an exit strategy yet, but I want them to be busy and then whatever's left over, I'm doing so if they have full schedules and someone breaks a tooth, then I'll see them. Or someone specifically, if I go into hygiene and do a check and they want me to do the crown or whatever it is. So I'm spending a lot of time on marketing um, still. I mean, I use a marketing company, but I do a lot of hands-on and I'm trying to do less hands-on, but still be able to have, you know, some control under the practice and really trying to manage to make sure that these associates are busy. That's kind of tough, Joanne. How do you do that? How, how, if you don't mind me asking, how many associates have you like gone through? Oh yeah, I don't want to think about it. I, my, my dental CPA says it usually takes three to find the right one. Well, I have to say my, it's probably been about seven. Seven. How was it like when you were saying, okay, I really am trying to train these associates. Is it me or is it just them kind of thing? I think it's a combination. Unfortunately, a lot of them were doing the best dentistry or the patients didn't care for them. And it wasn't that I wouldn't have taken one on as a partner. We really never even got that far. But I don't know. It just, it hasn't been easy. It has not been easy. But, you know, I keep trying and I have two associates that I really like now. We just did a team appreciation dinner tonight. And of course they were there and would love it for them to get 
really friendly and really become real colleagues, I would love for them to both buy the practice one day. So we'll see. That's good. That's good. Do you feel like when you're there, production and collection is a lot higher? And then when you're not there, it's like you're trying to push those associates to offer more of these procedures that will increase production and collection, but you're not really seeing the needle move. Has that ever happened with an associate? I'm trying to set them up for success. So I try to make sure that their schedules are busy enough. But I'm the biggest producer, yes. But I keep looking at my numbers and I keep working less and less this year. And the numbers are the same as last year. And my numbers are the same. So I'm not quite sure how it's all working. But somehow it is. Because I'm still seeing patients. You know, let's say the bigger procedures, I'm doing the cosmetics, the Invisalign. I mean, they're starting to both do some Invisalign. So that's great. They take out a lot of teeth. I don't. I mean, I, I like taking out teeth. You know, I did a surgical extraction today, but they really like doing that. So I'm letting them do that. They like doing endo. So I'm not doing any endo. And we have a real strong hygiene department because since I was a hygienist, the hygienists do a lot of non-surgical perio. And we still do a lot of removable. You know, I did all in four case a couple of weeks ago. You know, they're not quite doing that yet. So still a lot of bread and butter dentistry. We don't place any implants. We don't do any sedation. No um, sleep dentistry. Yes, appliances, uh, that kind of thing yet. We'll see. You know, we'll see. I would love my associates to place implants and do some of the procedures that I don't do. Um, but they're still youngish. So we'll see. Really, where we are, we have plenty of general dentistry to do. We are at a network with a lot of insurances, more than we were when last time I spoke to you. So we've been definitely going at a network. I wouldn't say we're fee for service, but we are at a network with quite a bit now. And we have our own membership plans. But that's nice, too. And that's been building up and building up since we started it. That's nice. We kind of started that kind of early on. Like we make, we do our own. We don't have a company doing it. And I kind of like it that way. You know, I, don't, I only want to pay a company when we can keep it in-house. Mm-hmm. The membership plan. Yeah, the membership plan. Yeah. I've designed it with my old office manager. We did not come back after COVID. And we did hire an attorney, a local attorney. It took me a while to find somebody who dotted the I's and crossed the T's. So for the we, membership but, plan. Yeah, we have you know different levels of, you know, ages or spouses. Yeah. Okay. I like what you said. Like you you you're asking your associates or you're noticing what they like. And you're kind of letting them do more of that, right? So they're kind of enjoying it, being a part of it. Instead of like, it's all about you and, hey, I don't like doing that. I don't care if you or you don't like doing it. I just don't like doing it. So you gotta, you're going to have to do the stuff I don't want to do, you know, kind right. of thing. You're, you're thinking of your associates first. It's interesting. Well, yeah. And also, like I said, I'm giving them like all the new patients. I mean, mm-hmm. I know most, or I shouldn't say most, a lot of dentists will cherry pick. Now, I will. If someone's coming in for a cosmetic, whatever, whatever, usually they're on my schedule because I've had more experience. But eventually, sometimes they'll be over my shoulder, whatever, we, and we've done some of that too. And I've helped them do some smaller cosmetic cases, uh, which is great. So far, the, you know, I really like these two women. And one went to Maryland, one went to, to uh, Columbia. And yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It's working out. Yeah. Awesome. How did the strategy go with, uh, becoming out of network. How How is it coming along? Like, did you guys just decide we're going to start dropping here and there? Is it once a month? And then how did you tell the patients? How did you introduce well, We started a long time ago. I actually, this was, um wow, a long time ago. I hired a consultant and that's sort of his forte, helping you not only analyze your plans, but get a strategy and get the team on board. Because when I down with my team years ago, this was a different team, obviously, for the most part. They thought that all the patients were poor and they couldn't afford the dentistry that we had to offer. So we really had to get him to come in and kind of not only, like I said, he did a lot of homework before he came in and we analyzed each plan, but he really kind of sat down with the team when we had meetings to try to explain to them why we were doing this. So years ago, we started with Aetna, which we didn't have a lot of patients with. And luckily, the in and out of network benefits, at least for the hygiene procedures, were pretty much the same. So we didn't lose patients. But then we went to the MetLife, down the Delta. But some of this was like years apart. And now we just did Gorney in. We did a bunch of small ones. But, you know, we still have a couple biggies. In our area, the big ones are the Blues, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and United Exporia. We don't say like this doctors in network and this not. So we're either in or we're out. So we've lost the patients, especially with the Deltas. And now with Cigna, we went out with Cigna recently. 
And some of the same plans are fine. You know, there's not a network benefits are this similar or the same, but some of them are awful. And we have verbiage. I call it the Delta question, but now it's also the Signa question. How do you answer the Delta question? How do you answer the Signa question? So our front desk team is trained. Do you know the verbiage? Well, first of all, if the patient says, do you take my insurance? Yeah. We back away. It's supposed to back away. Let's get away from that insurance. Oh, well, let's, let's find out more about you why you're calling our office. Let me tell you how fantastic our doctors are. Hmm. And, and that kind of thing. Get away from the insurance question. But we don't mislead. You know, there's dentists I know that mislead the patients. And we will say to that, you know, we, we were given a verge by a consultant and it was misleading. So we're not doing that now. And we say to them, we have lots of patients with Delta. Lots of patients come here. However, we are considered an unrestricted provider, which means we're out of network. So why don't you come in? Let's see what your needs are. Let's formulate a treatment plan and go from there. And that seems to work pretty well. Gotcha. Okay, that, that right there is everybody's trained in the front office to say that, do that. You know what I mean? Do you train anybody to offer the membership plan or is that like once they're in the operatory? Well, typically, if they have insurance, they want to use it for something. But no, mm-hmm. if someone calls and they don't have insurance, we tell them right up front. And to me, that's like misleading because we don't want patients to come in and be paying our regular fees and then know that the next patient comes in, has the membership plan and they got discount on whatever. Mm-hmm. So we tell them because I think it helps. So they think they're already getting a bargain when they come in if they know that they can join this membership plan. I always say it's like joining Sam's Club. Oh. I like Sam's Club, you know, oh, that sounds good. You know, some of them say, I already belong to Sam's Club, so I'm already in, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, we, and we hook up the plan when they come in so that when we print off a treatment plan and and go over it with the 20, we do 20% off, except for cosmetics and Invisalign. Mm. I know a lot of them do 10 to 15, but we do 20% off. And so when they come in and we formulate a treatment plan, the cost of the plan will be on the treatment plan and then the 20% off. So they already know they're getting the board. You know, they see the differences. Gotcha. Okay. I noticed you said previous team that was with the consultant to help you guide, to help you like, you know, guide you out of, out of network. Did the team members keep fighting it or? I think that definitely got better with all that. I guess it's more like, have you noticed where it's sometimes team members are still fighting a specific thing that they've been doing in the past and you're trying to, push them to do something different, a different mindset or something. Has that ever happened? Yes. Your example was right. I mean, when we talked about trying to go out of network, the yeah, I did have some pushback back then. I think now I'm a better leader. Believe me, we've had real challenges with the staffing. It's just been a couple of positions just constantly rotating. I have a bigger staff now, too. Mm-hmm. We have a total of 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's been a, I, and my husband keeps saying it's the area we live in there, you know, so it's been hard. I mean, look, I had an office manager. I thought we were thick as thieves. She was with me for about 12, 13 years. And she just became a different person after COVID. And it was a long story, but she did not come back after COVID. No notice. And she held the keys to the kingdom. <sighs> it was really challenging. Did she tell you why she didn't come back or could you feel it? It's a really long story, but there was, she, had some medical problems. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they were real or, you know, and she kept getting doctor's notes. To, she's not coming back to this. She's not coming back to lend. That, and it kept going on and on and on. And I got a letter from a doctor, you know, and I questioned it and she just sent me a text. She's done. Yeah. She like lost it after that. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. But it turns out, you know, whenever a team member, I mean, I have heard this and I've found this. When a team member leaves, you always find out that maybe some of the things they were doing weren't the best, or maybe the right elves weren't correct, or you know, they weren't doing the Invisalign charges right. And there's, you know, a lot of things we found out, you know, after she left were not being done thoroughly or properly. But I mean, she was a hard worker. Not quite sure where some of these things slipped. But so what I did was, because she was doing all the insurance, she was putting all that in, and no one really knew how to do that in my office. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. So I hired an outside person, you know, to do that, that I knew of. And she helped for a while. And then my shine rep says, well, have you ever 
got in touch with so-and-so. And I said, well, who's that? They said, she's a Dentrix trainer. We use Dentrix. And she lives practically at the backyard of your office. I'm like, who? What? <laughs> so that was two years ago. Yeah. And she still, she came to our office. She taught other team members because we sort of moved some people around within the office. And she taught them everything they needed to know about Dentrix, hosting payments and all that, those kinds of things. And to this day, she was just at our meeting. I mean, at the dinner we just had tonight, she, um, we had a leadership and I, team appreciation dinner. Uh, she still comes like every other wish to do tasks and things that we either don't have time for, we're not sure how to do, we have questions about. She's a Dentrix trader and she negotiates higher fees with the insurance companies for me because that's like a time-consuming task mm-hmm. and different things like that. What's her name? Kajiba Campbell. Kajiba Campbell. Wow, that's interesting. I like that. Real quick, 15% and rewind even a little bit more. I, that's super tough, Joanne, to like know that, hey, things were going a little bit better, but you, like you said, you were thick as thieves, right? Like you and your office manager, you would have never thought to let that person go in order to make it better. It's until like they, you know what I mean? Kind of where like they just got up and left kind of thing. That's tough. Oh, yeah. I mean, things were doing very well when she was there, but my 2020 collections were just a little bit higher than 2019 despite COVID. In fact, I wrote an article about it for Dental Economics and we were closed for what, six, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So then she was gone. And then 21 was like, or just find their set higher, our collections. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Awesome. That is, that is incredible. If you don't mind me asking, how much is your overhead percentage? In the low 50s. How do you do, how? How, well, for 15? Say 55. I order all the supplies, uh-huh. so I know what we're doing bad. Um, I don't think our salaries are outrageous, even though we have increased with all this. I keep the schedule full. So if you're, you know, if production is high, then everything else falls into place. I always say if there's an empty dental chair, we're all temporarily unemployed. I always felt like if I kept the dental chairs filled, and that's why, like I said, I'm managing, I'm making sure that these chairs are full. We have a lot of marketing things going on. We have three different ways from our website to be able to make an appointment. We have a chat. We have a lot of people in the chat. We have a local med. Get a lot of people for people through local med. And I fought local med. I said, this will never work, but they give you like, I don't know, a couple months free or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the best, best thing. Uh, and you know what local med is, I'm sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then we also have a request form. Like if some people just want to request information or, and they put down what they're interested in and maybe a potential date. So on my website, we, ha- and it's pretty much on every page, we have all, you know, three different ways to get in touch with us. So, our new patient numbers are nice and high. They're where they should be for the amount of providers that we have. And, um, you know, we're trying to make the most of every new patient. Yeah, I think our treatment planning and case expectance could be a little bit better, but we're working on that. We've had an ITRM for many years, and then we got a second ITRM, and then we just got the newer one, and we just got a second newer one. Our Invisalign rep sent in a woman, she's actually a hygienist. And she has trained my hygienists and my assistants to get faster and better using the Itero and to do the wellness treatings. So that is really starting to take off. I just heard Josh Austin, you know Josh, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just heard Josh Austin speak. And he showed a graph of what his production was before doing the health screenings with the Itero and after. And it was amazing difference. Amazing. We're working on that now. Yeah, that's going to be... so. How many new patients are you getting a month right now around? Average of 50. Wow. Okay. And so. About 60, you know, but we need that many with two providers who don't have a real big patient list yet. Oh, yeah. We need that. We need that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Talk to me about what are you doing right now as far as, I know you mentioned a little bit of internal marketing strategies, right? You said local med, that that book now button, right? Like schedule um, at the same time, the chat feature on the website and then the request, uh, the form, right? Yeah. Um, so those are like on the website. What else are you doing for? That's how we mix. I embrace social media. I'll, I mean, big time. Mm-hmm. Big time. So I really focus on Instagram. I've been training with Jessica Emery, um, who's a now retired dentist. 
but she teaches dentists all about brand and social media. And she lives on Instagram. That's how she sold her dental practice and she wasn't even trying. So I've trained under her for at least five years now. So I do all my own postings and I post to Instagram. And usually I use that content on Facebook also. And I use it for my practice. And I also post on my personal brand because she's taught me to build a personal brand for whatever my next phase might be if, if and when I retire. So I have a personal brand. And then I post the stories at least once a day, usually more than that. I do that, you know, on myself. And um, it's a little time to say, but I wanted to do it very quickly. I have a lot of content. I've been to all Jessica's content creation workshops. So I've got tons and tons of content. And I belong to her Dental Soiree Content Club. So I have 30 hashtags to caption photos every month. And I can use my photos with her captions or her photos with my cap. You know, I can mix and match. So I, you know, I do a lot with social media and a lot with building my brand. You know, people always stop me. They may not be patients. I see you on Instagram all the time. I see you. I love your Facebook. I love your Instagram. And you know what? If someone, they might not be a patient. They might not be looking for a dentist. But as soon as someone they meet or know needs a dentist, I'll be top of mind because of, you know, my presence. I, you know, firmly believe in it. And it's a work in progress. It's a long race. <laughs> I'm sure you know all that too. But I think it really works. And I also, and I wrote an article in Dental Economics about this also, I also use the Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So there are groups in my area, my town and the town next to me, town next to that. And I joined those groups. And anytime someone's looking for a dentist, if I'm mentioned, then I'll get a notification. But even if I'm not, a lot of times I could just go in and put the word dentist and I could see who's asking for a dentist. But usually somebody recommends me. And whether they do or they don't, I go in and private message them. And I don't say, can I make an appointment for you? You know, I, I'm more like, I want to tell them who I am, ask questions and what they're looking for. And then I'll link my website. And um, we've got a lot of patients from that, a lot. Hmm. Because 99 out of 100 dentists are, have no idea what those Facebook groups are. And we never even know or think to send a private message to these people that are looking for dentists. Yeah, that's true. Do you ever think, Joanne, you may delegate this or no? I can delegate a lot of things, but at this point in my career, I want to do less clinical. Mm -hmm. I've been out of dental school 36 years. I actually enjoy this. I really do. And I, yes, I mean, definitely you can. And Jessica Emery suggests you let it, it, the teams live on social media, so let them do this. I like my voice. And I think, you know, it's hard to kind of get your team members to feel your voice. And I enjoy doing it. I, I'm up early. That's what I do very early, like six o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm putting together content. I don't batch. I know some dentists batch a month or whatever. I don't batch. I do it on the fly. It's easy for me because I, you know, I know how to do it. Yeah. And I enjoy it and you know, start doing some reels and all that kind of stuff. The other thing is I respond to other people. You have to do that. You have to respond to other people their photos, their caps, and just the different things that you see, you have to respond to them also. You can't just expect people to comment and respond to you or like things you're posting. You have to really, you know, work it. Yeah. What do you feel like since the moment, I guess, throughout this time, what do you feel like has not really worked well? Ads. I mean, yeah, you know, years ago, I did create ads. Usually I would get one, you know, case from it, but what happens is they have like Baltimore's best dentist. Well, every dentist is in that issue. So then I thought, well, maybe I should be in the issues that aren't the Baltimore's best dentist when there aren't as many dentists. So that's, you know, kind of a trick. But print ads, you know, have not worked great. I never did mailers, but I have been telling mailers probably wouldn't be great, but I never did that. Well, like I said, the, the social media is a, is a long game. So there are probably a lot of people out there who are just posting once a week or once every two weeks or twice a week. So that's not going to work. And so I post at least once a day for your post, but then you have to at least one story a day, if not more. Stories are on the fly. What's happening during the day? Or are you highlighting a, a team member? Or are you delivering a cosmetic case? Or are you celebrating someone's birthday? We celebrated two people's birthdays, my team today. So I have that content from the birthday cake and the gifts. And we did one of them. We did a um, boomerang. 
Sometimes I'll even use the same post as a story. You know, you can certainly do that. It's different people live on different platforms there or, um, you know, some live on stories, some live, you know, just on your Instagram, some live on reels. I do a little of all of it, you know, and sometimes I do the same content. Nice. Okay. And then, so how are you getting also when it comes to internal marketing, like more referrals and reviews? Well, we, we use um, a bird eye for our reviews, mm-hmm. but a trip with my bird eyes think great. And I've used them for years and I think Glenn Tao is great. And I met Glenn Tao in a dental meeting and he knew of me. We had met them four once and he dragged me over and he said, let's look, yeah, you have whatever, a hundred reviews. I said, yeah, but the guy across from me has 200. I'll never catch up. He says, I can get you to surpass him in no time. I'm like, really? And oh my God, did I? I mean, I got to the top and very quickly and I don't even look now, but I'm sure I have more reviews than anybody in my area. <laughs> but I also respond to my reviews. So when I get the notification that somebody gave us a review, I will respond to it. Bird Eye comes up with an automatic response. And sometimes I'll use that, but sometimes I'll change it or I'll put little emojis or something like that. But yeah, I have to, re- I that's really powerful when you can respond to your views. And it's always different responses, right? Like it's not oh, just yeah. the same generic one, like, oh, thank you. No, because I kind of feed on what they say. You know, if they say, I love the hygienist Patty, then I'm going to say, so glad you like Patty, you'll see her again next time. Whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, de- it's definitely not generic. No, we definitely. That's how you're getting like a little bit more reviews. And at the same time, referrals come from that or people see that. SEO even sees that, right? Like Google sees that and, and kind of gets it. What about referrals? Do you just ask people uh, like your existing patient? Like, hey, have you got okay, a friend? No. That's, yeah. So this is what we do. We sit the patient up. We switch the procedure. We sit the patient up. I have my business cards in the operatory with my phone, my cell number handwritten on the back. And again, I'm an empty nester. So a lot of the things that I'm talking about or saying, people might be like cringing and like, I'm done listening to this woman. But you have to know that I'm an empty nester. So I have more time to do these things. Mm-hmm. So we write, handwrite my cell number on the back and we sit the patient up. And I take the card and I say, this is Jones. And you know, we're finished your procedure today. You know, I give her all the post-op instructions. Here's my business card. It's got my cell number written on the back. If you have any emergency or if you know anybody, Dennis, we, we'd be honored to see them. And I put two hands on hand to the card. That's how we ask for referrals. Nice. Typically, if you can track that, how many would you say you get in like a month or so from that? That I don't know. I just know we just track through Dentrix where the referral source is coming from. So if it's another patient, we put the patient's name. Uh, through my marketing company, there's like a, I don't even know what you call it, a whisper, whatever. When the phone rings, it'll say um, Google advertising or uh, oh. different words. So and we have to write that down. Whoever yeah. answers the phone makes that new So we put that into Dentrix and our marketing company sees all those results. Uh, year, it used to be years ago, we got way more patients from other patients referring. Now, because of the marketing I'm doing with SEO and um, Google AdWords and all that, and uh, people click, because we do a lot of different things, we get a lot more from Google. Gotcha. And, yeah, a lot. Who's your, who's your marketing company? Evan Lazarus, Simple Impact Media. He's been a game changer. Uh, Len Tao told me about him. We started using him the month before the COVID shut down. Mm-hmm. But he was so gracious and drastically reduced for those two months what I was paying him. And then he said, let's turn off the pay-per-click for emergencies. So he's been great. And I've referred lots and lots of people to him. I spend a lot of money with him, but I have, you know, I have a budget. Should be about three to 5%. Mature practice like mine should be closer to 3% for marketing. But it's not all my dollars go to him. You know, bird eyes marketing and, there are other things, you know, they always make sure that everything's in line. Yeah, definitely. That's also Okay. So then now you're doing a lot more speaking, right? So I did a lot of speaking prior to COVID and then a lot of these kinds of things, uh-huh. webinars during COVID. And then now, like I said, I was getting these associates on board and I really haven't focused on or thought about it. And then I was just asked to speak at local dental society a couple weeks and then you've reached out to me and then somebody else reached out to me so it's 
it's been kind of crazy. Do you see that doing more in the future? Like, um, spe- and then what are you going to be speaking about? Like, what do you feel like is your, your hit? Practice management and marketing. I hit those kinds of topics. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Is it, is it something you want to do more of in the future or no? Could be. Could be. I have a lot of ideas. One of my favorite PowerPoints is outside the box dental marketing. In fact, I talk about brown marketing. Yeah. We talk about internal marketing, external, something that I call internal, external, or external, internal, where you do something internal marketing becomes external or external becomes internal. And then we talk about ground marketing and we talk about digital marketing and reputation marketing. No, reputation marketing. Social media marketing. Gotcha, gotcha. That's all for a digital, yes. Okay, so that's interesting. That's interesting. And then this upcoming one in this week, what is it going to be about? The touch points dentistry. So a couple of things that we just talked about, whether it be how we touch our patients, obviously not physically, through our website, there's three ways they can get in touch with us. Then the business cards, how I hand the business cards. Uh, we talked about the social media and how you respond to patients that way or you respond to Google uh, reviews. Um, then another thing we do is every new patient, and we got this from my marketing company, they gave us a slip of paper. Every new patient, a little form is filled out with their name, the date of the appointment, what they're coming in for, or maybe you will refer them. And that is handed to the doctor that's going to be seeing them. Mm-hmm. And that doctor, the same day that they make an appointment, calls that patient. And this really the second point of contact because delivery is the phone was the first point. But just sort of introducing themselves, make sure they know how to get to the office, that they've done paperwork or they received the paperwork and just see if they have any questions ahead of time. And I feel like that really helps the patients not, not showing and you know, keeping their appointments because I, I don't know about other dentists. I'm assuming it's similar. But I feel like it's so easy now for patients to say, I was exposed to COVID or I don't feel good or I might have COVID. And just the cancellations and no-shows really have, I, I think, are more than ever. So with this new patient slip, I feel like that really ensures that patients are going to keep their appointments. So that's a nice little tip for anyone to, you can do out there. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Shows interest, right? It shows like appreciation at the same time. Like, yes. this is for you. Kind of thing. Like, I'm going to be your dentist. This is who I am. You know, I can't wait to meet you. You that kind of thing. Yeah. No, I really like that. I like that a lot. So then I know we were talking about um, your team, right? Bringing more people are bringing 15 right now. Would you say this is the solid team? Happy with everyone? I know you also do team appreciations, right? You said tonight you did a team yeah. appreciation dinner. Do you do? And we already talked about the Christmas event. We do a nice, really big, unusual Christmas events every year. So do you feel like doing a lot of these things? Because I know you say like, do you pay them normal salary? But like, obviously they get raises and things like that and bonuses. Do you feel like you have to do these type of things like dinner appreciate? Like, you know, these in order for them to feel, how do you keep them? Absolutely. Happy? I mean, they all had such a nice time. Today. Unfortunately, if you couldn't come for various reasons, I think we had 11 out of 15. One didn't want to drive in the dark. One has a job after hours, you know, all those kinds of things. But no, it was really great because everyone kind of lets their hair down, so to speak. It was a whole different feeling than when you're at the office. It was great, you know, so we had a really nice dinner tonight. But I really like to do fun things, you know, at the holiday time. Last year, oh, it was great. There's a really upscale restaurant right by my office. And I pre-planned appetizers. We were set at two tables because it was 70 of us. And then they didn't know. We had all kinds of fun favors on the tables. They're still talking about the favors. And then we went over to other tables and we had a woman there full boards in a box because these charcuterie boards are such a big deal now. And she had all the foods and a lesson and the history all about charcuterie boards. And everybody left with a gorgeous, huge charcuterie board. And then we went back to our tables and we had flatbreads, like real fancy flatbreads and salads. And then we had dessert to go because I knew everybody had to get home. And we also did one of those white elephant swaps. But I didn't want my team to have to spend the money for the, you know what a white elephant swap is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just sell real quick for those who don't know. You have one gift for everybody in the office. And what I do is I bought all the gifts. So I bought variety of gifts. And I think we went with the, the oldest employee, not the oldest age, to how long they've been with the practice. They went up and they pick a gift and they open it and everyone oozed and oz. 
And then the next person, they can steal that gift or they can open a second gift. But if you don't open the second gift, you can't go and steal the first one. That's your gift. And But then someone else can steal yours. And then when they steal yours, you, then you get to open another one. Yeah. Everyone will have a gift. But anyway, that's how it is. So we did that. It, it was a great night. And they're all still talking about it. But what was the like, hottest gift there? What was the one where everybody's like, I want that one or not? There was like a really nice tote bag and a bright orange that they, a big tote bag, you know, like really nice. We all love that. That's good. That's good. And what were you going to say? You said, unfortunately, what? Unfortunately, we had some turnover, even since, you know, last Christmas we had turnover. And like I hired one dental assistant. I really liked the woman. I knew she had lived too far. And sure enough, she found a job closer to home. We had a hygienist who wanted different hours, never told me. I mean, replacing a hygienist, you can only imagine. Took about three or four months. Luckily, I'm a hygienist. So I'm not going to like put these patients off. I will pick up a scanner. I don't mind. I'm with my associates doing the dentistry. I will do a cleaning or two or whenever I have to do. When we came back after COVID, I refused to let all these patients have backlogs. So I did a lot of profies, root plating, urea maintenance. I did a lot. Like I said, I'm very hands-on. I don't mind doing it. Hygienist by profession. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. That's real humble. That's nice. I appreciate yeah, but the other thing is you're, you're going to find dentistry to do. And I feel like if you're sitting there with a patient for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is, usually I would give myself, let's say, 45 minutes because the assistant could be starting another room, you know, so we, it's really an hour appointment. But if I find a filling to do or you know, we have, I used to use two or three rooms and I can get it done, you know, while they're seeing the next patient or taking a medical history or taking a full set of x-rays. So I've always found that it's it cost effective for me to do that. Throughout this time, though, from the, the moment you decided to bring on associateships to right now, what have you learned? What advice can you give us who were in that process where we're like, we're going to bring on some associates or we've tried, but it's just not working? Well, you have to know how they've been trained. I am an associate now. Graduate dental school has never done a fixed bridge. Now, you're not a dentist, but in other words, they've done crowns. They've never done a fixed bridge. And I had a patient. I said, I want you to do this bridge. She's like, well, I've never done a bridge. I'm like, well, no different than two crowns as long as you have a path of insertion. So, but I had to help her with that. But I found that removable partials and dentures, they really need help. Really need help. Taking impressions, just things like that. So, um. And we all take a lot of impressions because we're standing most of the time. But like for bleaching trays, we'll take impressions or sometimes if a patient is fully dentulous, we'll take impressions to make the dentures. I mean, now it's getting better with the technology using scanners, but still, there's just a lot that they, they don't know anything about coding. So it's really helping them in learning, you know, like they'll have a new patient and the patient will be classified as a class two or three perio. And they're charging out as an 0150, which is a comprehensive exam, where it should be a comprehensive periodontal exam as long as they're doing six points of probing, which they need to be doing anyway, and checking the mobility, the recession. So just knowing how to code that properly, uh, not to mention to get a few more dollars for that code, but all kinds of things like that. Like today, patient in show, or I can't remember, but I said to my associate, go ask the front desk, go ask someone to call your next patient from them in earlier. And that way, when you check a patient patient, they need it, still they don't have time to do it. Things like that, they just, you know, with scheduling and coding and certain procedures, you have to really help them. Kind of on their hands. I know a lot of times I'll say, make sure I'm here because I want to help you insert that partial or try in that framework or whatever, you know. You can't just assume that they know how to do all these things. But you don't, I mean, if you have to redo or anything like that, it just, you lose all your profit. Where would the line be, Joanne? Like, for example, like, let's just say, you know how you said, I want to be there with you. I want to guide you a little bit, right? And then two years later, you're kind of still saying like, I want to be there with you. I want to guide you, right? And it's like, well, you hired that person for a specific reason, right? So you don't have to be there anymore. Where would the limit be? That would be a problem. (laughs) But uh, that would be a problem. Most of my associates, a couple of them were there several years. That's the other thing, you know, you asked me about the associates. A lot of times it's not till after they leave and then you start seeing the patients that you find out that things maybe weren't done. I'm not saying I'm the best dentist, but still, when you see either an open margin or recurrent decay or 
sure, <laughs> smells, whatever it is. That's a problem. I would think that if you're starting to see where they're not catching on to certain, either they're not doing those procedures anymore or, yeah, it might be time to Kind of like, time. okay, yeah, let them go kind of thing, right? Well, when the other thing is if we've had where sometimes the patients don't care for the dentists. What do you do in that scenario? Do you just like let, are you happy or you, you take them on? I mean, like as you, or do you just kind of push it on still to the patient or what do you do? I have taken some patients that were unhappy and moved them to myself. And the hard part is getting patients who say, while I have Dr. Reed, I thought I was going to see Dr. Reed and I'll have to go in there and smooth things over. And chance most of the time, I mean, almost every time, they want to stay with that dentist. Once they've experienced that dentist, they're like, no, no, well, you know, I want to stay with them. I'm great to stay with her. I'm glad you love her. You know, she's prettier and dapper than me or whatever, you know. No, so. yeah. But, they, but then that's mainly the objection, right? You want them to all go to, to the associate. Throughout this time, one of the last questions I want to ask you is from the moment I guess you, because you've been doing this for all, oh, 49 years. 40, like, right. Almost well, 36 as a dentist, but yes. But in the, you know what I mean, in the industry, but 30s, that's still a lot, right? Like you're, you, you know, a lot, you know, a ton, you're, you're like basically a, a, just a plethora of knowledge. So throughout this time, I guess from the moment you decided to jump in to now, what's been some of the biggest uh, roadblocks or struggles or failures you've encountered? Well, I always say that, what are my regrets? dentistry. Well, my first regret is that I didn't do a residency after dental school. I mean, I know now a lot of the students, they want to get going under paying back their loans, so they're not doing that. When I got out of school, pretty much 99% of the class did a GPR or they went to specialty. I went to work with my father. I, the residency that I got or whatever um, wasn't going to be for me. And I probably didn't apply to some of the ones that I should have, but whenever I just decided I was going to go to practice with my father. So that was sort of my residency. My father said his residency was he went to the Air Force. He was the only dentist on the base. That was like his residency. In fact, he was stationed in Southern Texas, so that's where I was born. But that was one regret that I didn't do a residency. I feel like that would have really been great for me. You know, I feel like dentistry uh, or dental school four years now with implants and all the different things that, that dentists can do or do do now that they didn't do or learn when I was in dental school. I really feel like dental school could be five years. So I didn't do a residency. And the other thing is not owning a practice sooner. Mm-hmm. That, you know, waiting 18 years. But you know what? It worked for me. I raised my kids. I could be there for their tennis matches or the basketball games, especially working with my father. I could kind of make my own schedule. But I always worked full time. And my parents, as they got older, took a lot of vacations. And when my father took vacations, I'd work six days a week. You know, he was always off on Wednesdays. Back in the day, dentists always took off on Wednesdays and they played golf. Now it's Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in the day, it was Wednesdays. So that was always my busiest day because all the dentists in Annapolis took off on Wednesdays. So I got all the emergencies all over town. Uh, and he worked with a half a day Saturday. So if he went away, I would work pretty much Monday through Saturday. And they would always go away for like two weeks at a shot. So, you know, I worked hard and, you know, dad did pay me well. I, you know, but I was able to raise my kids. It wasn't until they were like, I think around middle school-ish that when I, you know, I bought the practice. Um, the practice I bought, where I still am, is like seven minutes from my house and seven minutes from where they went to school. I mean, obviously they're not in school anymore. So it was ideal. You know, it was a dentist I knew and he had gone to LBI. He had two practices. He wanted to sell the one that I bought and focus on a boutique practice in his other location. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Four, and, then he, and then he sold that one later on and went to work at the dental school in the GPR program. And unfortunately, he passed away during COVID. Not of COVID, but he did pass away. It was fairly young. I really considered him a mentor like I do my father. Yeah, it was a shame. It was, ugh, still mm-hmm. can't believe it. Oh, yeah, man, I'm sorry. After I wanted to practice, he really mentored me. He got me to go to LBI to learn cosmetics and all that mm-hmm. and neuromuscular dentistry. And he was always there to help me. So I know you mentioned, and this is one, this is another one of the last things I want to ask you. I know you mentioned about the partnership, how you, it didn't work out. Why? It wasn't a partnership. I bought the practice from him. 
he had a largish office. So he had a, a woman there who was sharing, who I had to share space with. She okay. at first did. She didn't want to take over the whole office. I bought the patients for him and we split the facility. She was an HMO type of practice. I didn't know that. And we had very different philosophies. I wanted to spend money fixing everything up and she didn't. Hmm. And we had a six-year lease. Can you imagine? I said, it worked great the first day. And after that, it, it, it works it up. So, but I had six years left. So after five years, you know, I had a dental CPA at the time that said, you got to start looking. Mm-hmm. So I offered to buy her out. But what she wanted for me to buy her out, I could build my dream practice across the street, which is what I did. And I built five operatories. And then two-ish years later, I was able to expand. And I now have eight operatories. She's still across the street from you? Well, she just recently, I think she tried to sell the practice. She didn't even have a website from what I've been told. And so, yeah, I was like, so she, I think, moved into another dental office, which I guess she's going to transition patients. That's what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But after five years, I found this other space. I'm next door to the, like, the top oral surgeon in the area. And that's where I wanted to be. I knew I wasn't going to place it in I wasn't going to take out their rollers and whatever else. So we have a nice relationship there. They have several opposites, but I'm literally next door. And when I wanted to expand, they wanted me to take more space than I thought I needed. So the surgeons took over a little bit of my non-clinical space. And then I was able to expand the other way. So it, it was a win-win for everybody. So Nice. Awesome. Joanne, thank you so much for being on with us. It's a pleasure. <laughs> but before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? By email is probably the best, and it's dr. period j b r at crossroads with an s dental arts.com. So it's dr. j b r at crossroads dental arts.com. Nice. Well, guys, that's going to be in the show notes below, along with your social media. Thank you so much for reaching out. I know um, it's been a while. It's been a really long while. But I see you, you know, I see you on social media. Yeah, we talk on social media and stuff like that. But it's nice. It's nice to like, you know what I mean? To talk and everything like that, kind of like conversate, catch up and things like that. Because you've you've been growing. You've been growing a lot. Yeah. And so it's exciting. It's exciting. And you see in the comments and stuff like that, people want to know what you're doing. So it's good to have you on. But awesome, Joanne. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Good to see you and talking to you. And it's been, it's been great. All right. We'll hear from you soon. Thanks. Joanne, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate it. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I really, really appreciate you. And as always, don't forget, scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes and check out our sponsors. If you need any other services or products, feel free to Click on their pictures or their links and you will get an exclusive deal. And at the same time, you're supporting the podcast. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Go ahead and do that. Go all the way to the bottom of the show notes and check them out. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.